I want to say thank you also to the congregation for your uh, participation in the giving tree. We received just an awful lot of gifts from you folks. Those will be distributed tomorrow through the Share Christmas program. And uh, just from the bottom of my heart, I say thank you. You know, we don't have to look around very far and uh, we see that Christmas is here and it's in full swing, isn't it? You see it everywhere you go, including you turn on the television and you watch some of those Christmas classics like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and a Charlie Brown Christmas and we remember Scrooge and It's a Wonderful Life. And if you think about some of those storylines, many of them have a common thread that goes through them. And that common thread is about transformed lives and changed hearts. We think about Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. <laughs> You know what? We just won't worry about it. Just pretend on the screen behind you is a picture of Rudolph, okay? See? It's an amazing thing what your imagination can do, isn't it? But you think about the story of Rudolph, and um, it's a story of transformed hearts when the reindeer and, yes, even Santa realize that even though people might look different than us, they're still just like us underneath. Or think about Charlie Brown. Uh, Charlie Brown's Christmas. What a scrawny, ugly Christmas tree he had. And then his friends gathered around him and helped him, and all of a sudden he had a beautiful Christmas tree to celebrate. There was transformed lives and hearts around that Christmas tree. Well, those Christmas stories are great and, and the classics as they call them, but I think that there's another one that maybe expresses that transforming power of Christmas almost as much as the real Christmas story does, and that is the story about the Grinch. The Grinch Stole Christmas, a, a Dr. Seuss classic, and it's a spectacular example of what Christmas is like, first from a nasty, nasty creature who hated Christmas, and then from someone who discovered that real meaning of Christmas. Maybe you have kind of forgotten how that story went, so let me read just a little of it to you today. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch, who lived just north of Whoville, did not. The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Now please don't ask why. No one knows quite the reason. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. It could be that his head wasn't screwed on just right. But I think the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. 
But whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas Eve hating the Who's. He stared down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown at the warm, lighted windows below in the town. For he knew every Who down in Whoville beneath was now busy hanging a holly Who wreath. And they're hanging their stockings, he snarled with a sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas, it's practically here. Then he growled with his Grinch fingers nervously drumming, I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. He hated Christmas. He hated everything about it. He hated it so much that he made up his mind that he was going to steal and destroy Christmas. And so he dressed up like Santa Claus and he went down into the town and he decided that he would steal everything. He took their presents, he took the Christmas tree, he took the decorations, he took the flowers, he took the food that they had set out for Christmas dinner. He even took the logs right out of the fireplace. You see, it was his goal that those residents of Whoville would be crying and wailing in disappointment on Christmas morning when there was nothing around to celebrate. He loaded all of these things up and put them into the sleigh and took them to the top of a mountain, Mount Crumpet. And his plan was that he was going to dump all of the Christmas trimmings over the side of the mountain and destroy them. But before he could tip that load over, he began to listen He wasn't going to be happy. He wasn't going to be satisfied until he could hear those people down in Whoville sobbing and crying and moaning in misery about how someone had destroyed Christmas. To him, that would be the sign that the happiness of all the people in Whoville was under his control. It was a story all about power. But wonder of wonders, when he stopped to listen, that wasn't what he heard. He didn't hear the crying. Instead, he heard the sounds of joy as Christmas carols were being sung, and they were proclaiming the arrival of Christmas, even without all of the trimmings. Dr. Seuss describes it like this. The Grinch hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. You see, the spirit of Christmas is the thing that had transformed the Grinch. His heart wasn't changed by the love of his friends like Charlie Brown because he didn't have any friends to come and show that to him. But instead, the Grinch was transformed by an encounter with something much bigger than himself. He was transformed by something that can never be manipulated by human means. To the Grinch, Christmas 
associated with all the trimmings and all the food and all the decorations. But the true meaning of Christmas is much deeper than that. It's much, much more mysterious than all of that. And the Grinch's heart, one that had been so small and so very selfish, grew when he experienced the true Christmas. As I said, there's another Christmas classic that I think sends the best message of all. It comes from the Gospel of Luke. And it says that in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. When we compare the story of the Grinch with this first Christmas, we see that there are some similarities. Because in this very first Christmas, there were also people who wanted to steal or stop Christmas from coming. The people had been waiting for years for this Messiah to be born, and yet when he was born, they did not accept him. In the beginning, Joseph didn't accept this news, and he wanted to disown both Mary and this child that was not his. But when the angel came and spoke to him, he accepted responsibility, but still there were problems. He knew the Messiah was supposed to be born in Bethlehem, and that was 80 miles away from where they lived. How was this going to all work out like it was supposed to? And when they arrived in Bethlehem, there were more problems. There was no place at all for Mary to go to have this baby. There was no room in the inns. And then this baby was born, and you remember what Herod tried to do? He tried to kill all of the babies. He tried to get rid of this little one that had come into the world because he was afraid of a new king. He was afraid that this new king would steal his kingdom. But they couldn't stop Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And that first Christmas, without any elaborate decorations, no trimmings, just a baby in a humble cattle trough. But it was also an encounter that changed hearts and transformed the world. Now, I realize that the story of how the Grinch stole Christmas 
doesn't make any mention of baby Jesus, and there's no decorated Christmas trees. And yet, Dr. Seuss gives us a sense of that true meaning of Christmas when he wrote these words. It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't thought of before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from the store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. What happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And then the true meaning of Christmas came through. And now that his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light, and he brought back the toys and the food for the feast, and he himself carved Christmas dinner roast beast. You see, the real joy of Christmas goes far beyond any decorations, doesn't it? It goes far beyond any of the feasts that we might prepare in our kitchen. It's beyond the beautifully wrapped gifts that we find under the Christmas tree. It doesn't matter what lights or candles we've put up at our house. It doesn't matter what Christmas dinner we're getting ready for. It it doesn't matter if you're going to have ham or duck or hot dogs like my mother served one Christmas dinner. But that's another story for another time. But it's true. It doesn't matter whether you find that perfect gift under the Christmas tree or not. Because what matters is that babe in the manger and how Christ sent or or God sent his son into the world for us. And so my question for you this morning is, have you accepted and allowed that baby to come and change your heart and transform your world? I read a story about Rose Kennedy, the mother of President Kennedy, and it tells that she was at Bible study one night and the Bible study leader had been talking to them about how they needed to make decisions for Christ and how they needed to make certain that their heart was right because this life is so short. And afterwards, Rose Kennedy went up to this Bible study leader and shared her story with him. She told how when she had been just a young bride that she had been very enamored with the power that comes with money. And of course, being a Kennedy She had a lot of money at her disposal. And she became a very selfish woman, and she thought only of herself. And then she and her husband had a a beautiful baby girl. Beautiful child. But it wasn't long before they began to realize that there was something different about that beautiful baby. Many of you know that the Kennedys had a daughter who had very severe mental handicaps. And Rose Kennedy said that she and her husband were devastated when they discovered the problems. 
And then that devastation turned into an enormous amount of anger and bitterness. And she directed it at God. And she told how she had even cried out to God and said, How could you do this to us? How could you send us a child like this? And her anger just grew and grew and began to eat away at her. And the bitterness was taking away all of the joy that had been in her life. One night she and her husband were scheduled to go out to a dinner party, but she had so much anger in her that day that they finally decided that it was probably best that they stay at home. She said, I had no idea what I might say to someone if they asked me anything about my beautiful baby. Well, there was a maid that worked for the Kennedy family, and she had been seeing all of this emotional turmoil. And she had seen how Rose Kennedy was no longer herself, how she was letting the bitterness and the anger take over. And so this brave maid said to her that night, Mrs. Kennedy, I've been watching you for the last few weeks, and I've seen how angry you are. If you don't do something different, your anger is going to ruin you. I think you need to pray this prayer. Oh, Lord, make my heart a manger where the Christ child can be born. Well, Rose Kennedy was furious. She was so mad. How dare a maid talk to her like that? And so she fired her on the spot. But when she went to bed that night, she couldn't sleep. She tossed and turned, and she couldn't get that simple prayer out of her mind. Over and over, those words kept coming back. And she said, finally, she got up and she knelt by the bed. And in an act of deep surrender, she prayed that prayer. Oh, Lord. Make my heart a manger where the Christ child can be born. And she said in that moment, when she cried out in anguish to God, when she surrendered that bitterness and those hard feelings to him, she said, I know he heard and answered my prayer. She said, I've always been a religious person and I've always believed in Jesus. But this night, there was something different. She said, that night I opened my heart to Christ in a new way. And my heart became that manger where the Christ child could be born. You see, love replaced that anger that had gripped her for so long. The end of the story is that She rehired that maid. She knew what she had done was wrong. And that maid was devoted to the Kennedy family and worked for them right up to the day that she died. You see, Rose Kennedy had an encounter that night that changed her heart and transformed her world. There are some of us here today who need to pray that same prayer that Mrs. Kennedy prayed. You know, perhaps we've been religious all our life, and oh, we believe in Jesus, 
But for some of us, we have not fully committed. We've not made that complete personal commitment to surrender everything, everything to our Lord. In these days leading up to Christmas, I'm sure you would agree that it is very easy to get caught up in anger because things aren't going right or the toy that I want to buy is sold out. We worry, we doubt, we have fears. We have all these distractions that take our minds away from the true meaning of Christmas. But we need to open our heart to God. We need to let go of those doubts and fears and we need to hand the bitterness and the anger in our life over to him. We need to say that prayer, O oh Lord, make my heart a manger where the Christ child can be born. Those words can change your life today. They can turn you from someone full of bitterness, full of anger. And when we release ourselves to God, he will never turn us away. Anyone who seeks him finds him. My understanding is that in the new Star Wars uh, movie that's out, that, that there's even some spiritual truth in it. Because part of that movie is that no one is beyond reach. And that's true, isn't it? Do you know what God said through the prophet Ezekiel? He said these words, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. God wants our heart. But he wants all of our hearts. And so this morning, I just leave you with the question, has that baby in the manger transformed your heart? Has he changed your heart? You see, Christmas is not Christmas because of all the decorations that we put up and all the good candy and cookies that we eat. It's not Christmas because we have tinsel on our Christmas tree. Christmas is Christmas because of that babe in a manger, that one that came to fill our hearts with his love, that one that came to transform us and to change us. May that be your experience in Christmas this year. Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, we come before you this morning. And Father, there may be some here today who have never ever made that commitment to you. That they have never given you their heart in the first place. Father, there are others of us who at some time have done that very thing and yet we still hang on to some of the old ways. We still find ourselves bitter and fearful. Father, we have not completely surrendered to you.
And so this morning, Father, we come before you and we first of all say thank you to you that if we confess our sin to you, Father, that you are so willing to forgive it and you are so willing to give us a new heart and a new life. And so, Lord, if there is someone here today who needs to make a fresh start, I pray that you will give them the courage today to release their lives to you. And, Father, those of us that have made a commitment but maybe have fallen away, we want to recommit ourselves to you today. We want to experience a wonderful Christ-filled heart this Christmas. And Father, my own personal prayer is that my life might reflect the gift of Christ that I have received and that others would see my new heart through my changed life as I strive to follow you. Amen.